Welcome back, dear friends. This is Flavors and Knowledge, the food learning podcast, where we strive for honest food talk and few opinions. I'm Chef Walter. This episode is called The Mighty Minestrone. And I know what you're wondering. Why is the chef talking about minestrone in the middle of the summer? Well, it just so happened that minestrone is one of those uh, family dishes that can be consumed in the middle of cold winters and especially in the middle of very hot summers, perhaps in a cold manner. It is a vegetable soup that can unite all spirits and even with a thousand of different facets. Growing up in Italy and cooking professionally for half a century has taught me many lessons. One in particular is that some dishes can unite a nation, as in the case of minestrone, a porridge-style concoction symbolizing the winter nights until the 70s. Then it suffered the oblivion of many other dishes of the regional home tradition, making a stronger comeback than ever. The variety of soups that Italy can offer tickles the taste bud of foreign visitors, especially those more and more numerous coming from Eastern and Northern Europe, including, of course, the United States. As a result, these cultures have established the habit of including soup as a beginning course in their meals, and minestrone translates into a cooked blend of local and seasonal vegetables. Therefore, one recipe does not exist, there is no such thing as one-fits-all. However, you can travel from Lombardia in the north to Calabria in the south, and you may witness several examples of well-executed combination of contrasting flavors and ideas. The broth used may include water as a base or natural broth, such as beef from bones, chicken or vegetable. I have made many different varieties through the years, from whole vegetables to adding a large piece of beef, chicken legs or lamb. As a result, there is a slight confusion around the dish. It is indeed codified with a wide margin of personal interpretation and regional differentiation between vegetables and legumes and the type of pasta that accompanies it. It is indeed codified, but with wide margins of personal interpretation and regional differentiation between vegetables and legumes and the type of pasta that may accompany the minestrone itself. If you're, for instance, in the Lombardy region, instead of pasta, you will find rice. The Venetian, for instance, include beans in their version. In Liguria, beans and green beans deliver a fresher taste mixed with fresh basil. Often, the final touch of pesto adds another element of discovery. And when in Rome, well, yes, do what the Romans do. Expect to find quartered artichokes. In Abruzzo e Molise, where I'm from, you will find cardoons in the mix, as well as fresh herbs and legumes. Of course, cardoons are predominantly used around Christmas times. If you go down to Naples, you cannot omit the tomato. However, in the region of Campania, the minestrone tends to have an orange shade to its color. And in the flatland of Puglia, turnip greens and pecorino cheese take precedence over other fresh vegetables and tubers. 
These are just a few unique ideas, but the list increases as you discover more varieties. One thing to keep in mind is the quality of the vegetable, rigorously in season and worked minimally. The addition of a protein element often dignifies the poverty of the minestrone. And from a thick slab of pancetta to the crust of a parmigiano rind, the blending becomes a genuine discovery of new flavors and rustic farmland expressions. You're not sure which recipe to feature for you? Well, I've decided to include what I think is one of the most recognized among consumers, the ribollita from Tuscany. Ribollita means twice boiled, and there is nothing more than a leftover minestrone made in advance and then cooked again in the oven, often on a clay pot. You add thick chunks of crusty Tuscan bread, rubbed with garlic, and previously roasted on an open fire. A thick ribollita is hearty and stool-like, including vegetables and greens such as the Tuscan lacinato kale, cabbage, spinach, and zucchini. And of course, Tuscans love cannellini beans, that's why they call them the bean eaters, and olive oil as well. And some go to the extent of adding grated pecorino cheese to the top before serving. However, I am not a big fan of the cheese addition because it may overpower the taste of the vegetables. Traditionalists say that we should eat with a fork and not a spoon. As the flavors continue to blend and intensify, discomforting soup only gets tastier over a couple of days, making ribollita the perfect weekday dinner. Ribollita exemplifies a cucina povera, a traditional style of Italian cuisine that translates into poor cooking. Frugal Italian cooks made it the most of what was available, and their ingenuity provided the rest. Centuries of transforming simple, rarely available ingredients into products that will last through a long winter resulted in iconic products like prosciutto, stretching a loaf of bread over a few days, which led to delicious dishes like, in fact, the Rivolita. I will have a link at the show notes in this particular episode about the Mari Minestrone, where you can download your Rivolita recipe for free. It has been tested in our kitchen and you should be fine. Again, you can use the Minestrone in the winter, of course, in the fall, but also try it in the summer. When those days are very hot, you need something cold to bring your temperatures down. I think you will find it interesting. Cold or hot, it's equally delicious. And that is all for this episode of Flavors and Knowledge. Please follow this podcast on anchor.fm or any of your preferred platforms. And you can follow us on YouTube under the Chef Walter's Cooking School page for Bree's educational videocast. And if you are in a kitchen today, always keep your eyes on the fire, and I promise we'll reconnect on the next round with another interesting food talk and few opinions. Stay well and invest in your health through food. Ciao, ciao.